0: Good afternoon. I am your host, Brad Schmidt. Thanks for joining me this afternoon. 701-775-5559 is the phone number. Live at canowaxradio.com is the email if you want to join the conversation. We're going to change gears here a little bit. A lot of discussion we've been talking about today from national things to uh, local things. And now we're going to, uh, we're going to, I guess, talk, I guess you could call it regional things. Uh, It's a local discussion for us here in Grand Forks, uh, but more than just local for us. On the phone with me is Dave Hughes. I've introduced Dave several times. He's actually filled in for me as a guest host in the past. And uh, Dave is, uh, he has run for the, uh, the uh, Minnesota CD7 uh, house seat in the past. And so Dave's uh, joining me again today. How are we doing, Dave?
1: I'm doing great, Brad. Thanks for having me on.
0: Not a problem. You're actually on your way to a, a, an event, right? A, 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 a Minnesota CD7 Republican event, right?
1: Well, it's been a busy day. I spent the day uh, down here in Wilkin County, and now I'm southeast of the town of Breckenridge, headed towards Farm Fest. Uh, Tomorrow, uh, Wednesday and Thursday, I'll be at Farm Fest down there in Redwood Falls, and now I'm headed uh, to a city near there uh, to attend a a meeting tonight. So, uh, busy full day.
0: And you were actually on TV this morning, right?
1: I, I was. I was on uh, two different stations down in the uh, Moorhead area uh, to announce uh, that I am uh, running for Congress for 2020.
0: That's what I was going to ask you about. So you, you've you've officially made an announcement that uh, the the Hughes campaign for Minnesota CD seven is on once again. Um, this is uh, this is no small feat. I've I've kind of been with you in this discussion for the last couple of years and and uh, seeing how much you've sacrificed in your life and, and with your family to to try and make this a reality. So you're, you're going to make one more run at it, huh?
1: Sure time is the charm, Brad. Uh, no one has ever run against Colin Peterson three times, um, and I'm the only candidate ever to run against him twice and do better on the second attempt than on the first. Uh, God bless the others who ran, but uh, for reasons unclear to me, they, they did poorer on their second attempt than on their first. And so... I think that speaks to the trend that the uh, Western Minnesota is um, going more and more conservative. They, they voted for President Trump over Hillary Clinton by 31 points in 2016, and I see no indication that the district uh, has gotten less enthusiastic about the president or has uh, some, somehow suddenly become less conservative. And so I think that trend speaks to uh, what the people want, and uh, I think what they want is conservative, a conservative public uh, servant in Washington, D.C., and I'm hoping that with, uh, uh, if we can earn uh, President uh, Trump's endorsement for the 2020 race uh, the way we did uh, last fall in 2018, uh, that combined with uh, a larger presence uh, by the president himself here in western Minnesota, uh, with one or more rallies uh, by him, uh, perhaps the vice president, and uh, members of the Trump family, uh, just as he did in 2018 up up in uh, Duluth and in uh, Pete Stauber's district in the 8th district of Minnesota, I think that'll be the clincher and I, I think uh, we're gonna we're gonna do it this time, Brad.
0: Well, and and this is actually not out of the ordinary for for folks to run multiple times. In fact, Colin Peterson himself didn't he run four or five times before he finally won the election or won the uh, seat. That's
1: correct, Brad. Uh, yeah, Colin has told me uh, twice to my face that he ran five times total. Five times. Uh, two of those, I guess, he did. Yeah, two of those, I guess he didn't get the endorsement of his party, so he wasn't ultimately on the ballot. Mm. Uh, but, but five different times he ran consecutively before he won in 1990.
0: So, yeah, so this is not and this isn't this isn't really out of the ordinary for for many uh, districts across the country and in, in a lot of races. Right. To, to run multiple times before winning the election, you got to create some name recognition and things like that as well. Right.
1: Yeah, I mean if you were uh, if you were a celebrity already and you came in with millions of dollars, uh, I suppose uh, I suppose any you know somebody in that situation might have a decent chance winning their first opportunity or the first time they ran, but you're right, it's it's not unusual at all to have to give it, you know, two three tries before you win. And, and that that comes from the fact that incumbents win re-election 92% of the time and a first-time challenger has a 98% chance of losing. And so right now, there's a couple of folks that are vying to compete with me for the party endorsement. And one of my major arguments to the to the delegates of the party, as they consider who they're going to endorse to, to face Colin again, is, you know, the fact that I've run twice, that I've built up this uh, network of supporters and all this name recognition, and, uh, and that, uh, you know, the president uh, backed me and that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, everybody else is challenging me right now. It's really starting at square one. And so that's that's a major element of the argument right. to support my yeah, campaign.
0: You actually received the personal endorsement from President Trump himself last election cycle, correct?
1: That's correct. Yeah, on September 8th, uh, Saturday, September 8th, we were um, fortunate to receive uh, via Twitter uh, you know, his, his uh, full and total support. And, and we're, we're very grateful for that. And we, uh, we're working hard now to earn that for 2020.
0: And you you've closed the gap. The first year you ran against Colin Peterson, you you um, you received 156,000 votes to his 173,000 votes, which actually puts you in a better position than pretty much any candidate that's ever run against Colin. Um, But last election cycle, you actually closed that gap by quite a bit um, down to only 12,000 votes. And and percentage wise, you you gain another percentage point or two on him, right?
1: Right, yes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's unfortunate that some of the uh, Republican uh, incumbents uh, lost throughout the country, uh, and what's even more unfortunate is that they lost, you know, despite a lot of help from uh, the National Party. Um, I don't say that's not the National Party, but but the in perspective for your listeners, that in 2018 we had no, no support from the National Party, and yet we did better uh, than, than so many Republicans. And so that, that paints the picture that... Uh, Minnesota 7 is, is the place to be mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, it's, a, it's the number one pickup spot in the country and I'm hoping that the um, uh, that the National Party will see that and and uh, and play big here because uh, this is a seat to win well and you're not
0: just asking for you're not just asking for for the help without without being willing to put the work in like I said I, I know you personally I've been lucky enough to, to get to know you and become friends with you over the last couple of years. And and you you have sacrificed personally and I'm not going to ask you to, you know, for for numbers or, or dollars or anything like that. But I mean, just the time that I know of you personally putting in in driving all over the state in the hundreds of thousands of miles across this, the very, very large district of Minnesota, CD seven, you're willing to put in the work in the campaign, which tells me that you'd be willing to put in the work necessary to, to be a great representative for the folks of, of CD seven. So what's your thoughts on that? How do you, how do you go about when you do win come November next year, how you go about continuing that, that hard work ethic on the campaign trail by uh, taking that eth- ethic to, to, to uh, Washington.
1: Well, Brad, it's uh, something I promised uh, last year in 2018, and I promise it now going forward to the 2020 election, uh, that if I'm elected in the fall of 2020, uh, in the spring of 2021, as, new, as the new U.S. representative for Western Minnesota, uh, there are 38 counties in our district, and uh, my promise is to visit uh, each county each year that I'm in office and to hold a publicly advertised town hall Uh, so that the voters of Western Minnesota can come to that town hall as, as, you know, as many as are interested and whether they're supporters of mine or, or detractors or, or just folks in the middle who don't much care about politics, I want all of them to feel welcome. I'll let them know in advance where I'm going to be and what the purpose of the meeting is, if it's topical or if it's just a general meeting, but I want everybody to be aware, you know, uh, involved and, and to feel that they have access to me to ask questions, to tell me that I'm doing things wrong. And, and, um, and that's really what a representative ought to be there for, and so uh, that's my promise to the people: is to be far more accessible to them than Colin Peterson ever has been, and has, been, and, and has been recently.
0: And and that's something that I can vouch for personally. I have I have reached out to Congressman Peterson's office several times. Um, to request interviews and invite him to be on the show and and talk to the constituents that listen to KNOX, and and I've never even gotten so much as a, a response from him to the point where I just gave up. I didn't even I don't I haven't even bothered asking this the last election cycle because they they I mean I never even so much as an acknowledgement that hey we got your email or or we you know we heard from you and we're just too busy just complete and total you know, ignoring, they, they didn't even bother responding to me. So, uh, Dave, what do you, what do you see as the, the, the kind of the main issues moving forward? Of course, immigration and illegal immigration is a big discussion. Um, that's going to be a play a, a large part in, in the coming election cycle. Uh, another one, you know, healthcare, we, we, we thought this was all done when, when Obamacare, right. He had solved the problem of healthcare in the United States. Once and for all, yet it doesn't seem to be going away. So what do you see as the big issues that you're going to have to uh, address in in this election cycle?
1: Well, there's so many big issues facing the country, Brad, uh, that uh, uh, Colin Peterson, my opponent, just has no interest in and and no demonstrated record of success. Uh, A really big one, I think the most pressing issue right now in people's minds, on Americans' minds, is the humanitarian crisis at the southern border. I just got on the phone with you. I wasn't listening because I was, I was just get getting out of meetings. So I don't know, Matt, how much you guys have discussed it already. But, you know, we all know that this is a burning issue. And um, Colin Peterson just has no ideas at all and has achieved nothing. Uh, my idea is to partner with President Trump. And uh, we're going to build that wall. And we're going to fix immigration, both illegal immigration and legal immigration. Uh, back in 2017, right after he took office, uh, President Trump uh, published a 70-point immigration reform plan. And I am fully on board with it because it's a solid plan. Colin Peterson, just most recently, Brad, in this 116th Congress that we're in right now that started in January, here we are, what, uh, seven and a half months into it, um, he has voted against the president 80% of the time this year, uh, as opposed to me. I would, I, I'm a supporter of the president. I, can't, I can tell you for sure I wouldn't be a rubber stamp for him, right. but the number would probably be, would be reversed. I would probably support him at least 80% of the time on various uh, bits of legislation. And more to the point on the southern border, Colin Peterson uh, does what so many uh, career politicians from Washington, D.C. do. He says one thing back home in the district and then goes back to Washington and does the exact opposite. And the prime example is this uh, southern border wall. Uh, in January, he voted several times to disallow funding of that wall. And then on January 21st, when he was on the air on a on uh, competing radio station with uh, Joel Heitkamp down in Fargo, he said, oh, we should just give President Trump the money. Well, it sounded great, and it was great fodder for you know for him to sound conservative mm-hmm. to his district, which loves President Trump. But two days later, on January 2030, voted against funding of the wall. Right. And I think the American people, the American people need to know this. The, the people of Western Minnesota need to know this, and they need to be outraged because Colin pretends to be this reasonable guy, this blue dog, maverick conservative uh, Democrat. But then he goes back to Washington and he's no different from AOC. Ilhan Omar or Talib, and and that's
0: one of the the things that has always surprised me about uh, about his popularity in the district is is he seems to be completely out of touch with the district, but for whatever reason, has been able to convince folks that he's uh, you know he's right in line with them. But you know when a when a district votes overwhelmingly for President Trump as they did and then he votes overwhelmingly and consistently to oppose President Trump, that speaks to me that he's he's not in touch with, with the folks back in his district.
1: Well, he's not in touch with them, and he's not what maybe he used to be. Maybe he used to be mm. uh, more, blue, more blue dog, but he no longer is anymore. Um, you know, the American Farm Bureau Federation is strongly in favor of outright abolishing the estate tax, which affects farmers and and business owners all over the country, they're strongly in favor of abolishing outright the capital gains tax. It's right on their, uh, it's right on their issues tab on their website. And uh, not only does Colin Peterson oppose those two issues, but there's no way that the leadership in his party would ever, ever, ever go for that, because they're more concerned with engaging in class warfare. And so I offer this to the uh, ag professionals, the ag producers of Western Minnesota that I would push hard for uh, most of the reforms that the Farm Bureau is pushing for, but especially those tax reforms, because at the end of the day, the American farmer is a businessman. And so abolishing the estate tax and abolishing the uh, capital gains tax would be beneficial not only to farmers, but anybody in business and, and the American economy at large.
0: You know, that's those are the kind of things I think that that really affect, and not just in Minnesota, of course. Obviously, in Minnesota, CD seven, a very agricultural district, that is, is you know the number one. I'm, I'm guessing, I guess, the number one industry in CD seven's got to be agriculture. These are these are real issues that that will genuinely affect the people uh, in that district. Is there is there any way? Um, that or, or is there any way for you to be able to go to Washington? Um, you know, you may not be in the majority and, and be able to still get these things done, or do you think we're going to see uh, a flip flopping of the Congress once again?
1: Well, certainly, uh, certainly we hope that the U.S. House uh, switches back to Republican majority in 2020. Um, I, can't, I can't foresee or fathom the Democrats ever agreeing to that ta- those tax reforms I just outlined. Uh, So we really do have to take the house back, Uh, but then we have to uh, press the leadership to fulfill those uh, desires because, you know, unfortunately, we saw in 2017 uh, the failure to over, you know, to repeal Obamacare uh, because it appeared that, um, you know, they weren't ready to do that. But uh, I'll be part of the young new uh, team in 2021, and we're going to push for more tax reform uh, and more uh, reduction of overburdensome regulations that harm our economy and harm harm the uh, growth of uh, job production.
0: How do you when you go to Washington and and when you're elected come November 2020, how do you work in in conjunction with whether it's local state representatives or or local state office members um, to to accomplish some of those things back home that maybe aren't direct, uh, you know, purview of the of the, the federal Congress, but you know, to offer your support or to lend your um, position to some of these issues to help the local farmers out on a, on a even maybe more local level?
1: Well, I think, Brad, it starts with a conscious effort to, uh, to establish and maintain a two-way communication uh, path. I mean, I just today spent time in, a, in, a, in the town of Breckenridge and met uh, one of the county commissioners, and, and I told him, I said, look, I said in 2018, one of my emphasis items was with all the state reps and state senators in western Minnesota. And I told them I want to work with them. I want them to contact me. I'm going to contact them on a regular basis. And I want them to feel free to contact me anytime about anything. Mm. And I, I told this county commissioner today that I have the same goal with the county commissioners. And I think if I ask my uh, staff if, if we establish uh, you know, and maintain good contact communication or excuse me, contact information with all of them and then have it, have it as a regular part of our business and our schedule to contact them on a regular basis uh, from the state representative state senator, to the county commissioner to the mayors and so forth that, you know, on our own through hard work uh, we'll be able to establish that. And then they'll feel inclined to communicate with me and, you know, we'll be in, in better, we'll be in tune with what's going on. And then of course, uh, they can always address what they feel is perhaps appropriate at the federal level, and and I think that that's something that doesn't exist right now at all. Um, the, the feedback I got, you know, from that I'm getting from county commissioners is they've never seen Colin Peterson and don't know him at all.
0: Mm. We have a we have a question for you here. I believe you're on the Schmidt show. You got a question for Mister Hughes?
1: Hello.
0: That's you. You got a question for Mister Hughes?
1: Well, yeah, I'm just wondering if he uh, realizes today that the Chinese have said they're not going to buy anything from us anymore, A- egg products.
0: Yeah, I'm sure he does, Dave. You want to address that? Uh,
1: say, say again. I couldn't hear it very well.
0: He he said he wonders if you were aware that China said that they weren't going to buy any egg products from us anymore.
1: And one of the things that we well, uh, about it was one of the things that was important about it was the twine, uh hawk. Uh, Dressed hogs. We're going to go to China because they have an African swine virus over there. It's terrible, and they're decimating their swine herd. And it would have been a big boost for American hog producers to be able to sell them dressed hogs. And now that's done. It's just killed. Well, I, I would say let time uh, let time uh, uh, reveal the truth of that. Um, they can say they're not going to buy anything more from us, but. Uh, we know that over the past year, uh, with this swine flu, that um, you know, as as the story unfolds, things change, and so I'm confident that uh, I'm confident that the, what they announced today is not true, and and time will tell. Okay, well that's fine, but uh, must be a reason they uh, decided to say that.
0: Yeah. I appreciate the call and, and I think um, there's there's something to be said here and Dave tell me if I'm wrong on this but I mean in, in in the end it it really doesn't matter who's the president if if the if the the Chinese aren't going to buy our products um, that's not really something that can be or I'm sorry not who's the president but who's in the in the in the House of Representatives I'm not sure that that's going to change anything. Um, if President Trump continues with the tariffs, then I'm not sure that whether it's you or Colin Peterson, that that's not really going to change anything except that with you in the Congress and, and being in support of President Trump, we can maybe find better ways to, to hammer out those those trade deals. Am I right?
1: Well, exactly right. I mean, whether, whether your caller likes the president or not, um, you know, you can't blame you know this announcement today on colin peterson nor could he blame me if i was in the house right now uh because i happen to support the president's agenda um you know whether i support the president's agenda or not has nothing to do with whether he determines uh, to continue this uh uh this hard stance against china um and and whether he, you know whether they make some uh, capricious announcement that they're not going to buy anything from us anymore i mean good luck with that china where are you going to get your 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 pork where are you going to get your soybeans uh uh, I, I think it's a foolish announcement, frankly.
0: yeah. let me let me ask this, as far as the trade deals go, what part does in your mind, what part does Congress play in in developing some of this? I know that that's constitutionally kind of the the uh, the authority of the President to work with trade deals and things like that, but the the Congress does also play a role in this too, right?
1: Well, constitutionally, it's not really the president's role. It's it's actually a congressional role. But uh, some time ago, they they delegated that authority to the president, as they've done too many times over the past hundred years. Mm. That's that's when they created created the position and office of the U.S. trade representative. They uh, at some point declared that uh, all this stuff was too complex and Congress didn't handle it. So they created this position and and delegated authority to the trade representative to to handle all that. Uh, That being said... Uh, I've met with uh, with the trade representatives uh, folks there um, at that office, and they tell me that uh, they have a, a very strong relationship with Congress because they have to get their input, they have to work with them, and, and, and come up with a plan, uh, you know, in coordination with Congress. So, uh, even though Congress delegated that away mostly, uh, they still are a big part of that whole process.
0: Well, Dave, we're we're pretty much running out of time here for the first segment of of our three of the Schmidt Show. So, give me the uh, the sixty second. I'm Dave Hughes, and I approve this message uh, before I let you go and, and continue on with your uh, with your trip.
1: Thanks, Brad. My name's Dave Hughes. I am uh, major Dave Hughes, a conservative outsider running for the U.S. House of Representatives. I was uh, fortunate enough and and blessed to be on the ballot in 2018 and 2016. I'm running uh, a third time because I think that uh, Western Minnesota is ready for a conservative public servant in, Western, in uh, Washington, D.C., to represent them. Uh, I support the President's uh, America, Make America Great Again agenda uh, to foster agriculture, to secure the southern border, to reduce taxes, reduce overburdensome regulations, to make health care more affordable and more um, available to the American people and in the end, to keep America great. Uh, I think I would do a better job the, of that than uh, Colin Peterson. And so I ask for your support. And, Brad, I've got the team in place right now. We've got the plan to win. Uh, I've got the team, but what I really need is money. And mm. so the, the folks that are listening right now, whether you're in Minnesota or North Dakota or Iowa or somewhere else, I'm asking all the great Patriots that are listening to your channel right now to go to my website, which is That's 4 Congress us and click on that donate tab at the top and give $50 right now to my, to my campaign, because that's what we need right now. Mm. That's the missing link is the money to execute the plan to win this race. And I'm asking all your listeners to do that today. Thanks so much, Brad.
0: Thanks Dave. And, and, and money is unfortunately a, a part of politics that is, is just uh, it's just there. And we know that Colin Peterson is not afraid to spend millions Um, and the success that you've seen with the very limited budget you've had the last couple of years, hopefully uh, you'll be able to turn that around this year. So, Dave, we'll talk with you again soon, all right?
1: Thanks so much for your time, Brad, today, and uh, have a good day.